This is Andy Dorado, and today on Furthermore, a very special episode. We have five very special guests, and we are recapping the first four books we read. Let's go! everyone, welcome back to another episode of Furthermore. This is Andy recording from home in my apartment in New York City, so forgive the sirens or planes or car doors slamming, children playing, dogs on bikes, you know, the usual stuff here in New York City. Uh, today, we're doing a little recap episode. I want to go back and take a look at the first four episodes, the first four books that we've covered, check in with our guests, and see, you know, what. add any extra thoughts to that, see if I have anything else to say. I'm going to be sticking to four basic questions for myself and for the guest. And those four questions are this. Number one, did you stick to the pick? Did you delve or did you shelve like you said you did on the podcast? And again, this is for both me and my guests. Number two, did the book inspire you to do anything? And, and that can be anything. That can be anything from looking up more the author wrote to checking into maybe something that the book was about anything like that. Number three, did you recommend the book to anyone else you know? And number four, well, this one's more for my guests and for me, have you read any of the other books that we talked about on the podcast? So let's take it all the way back to Where the Crawdads Sing, which I believe was our bestseller in April at the store. Where the Crawdads Sing was a really funny one because it really came out of nowhere for me at the store. People all of a sudden just kept asking for it, which has been my experience with pretty much every Reese Witherspoon book club pick has been like, what is this book? What are you talking about? Where the, where the what sings? Now I can keep it out on a table in hardcover and we still sell through a lot of it. Books generally, I mean, there are some books that sell really well in hardcover, you know, it's it's. I I was gonna say that people usually like hardcover more. It's it's honestly an even split. Sometimes people want to read something so much that they don't care whether or not it's hardcover or paperback. And I think this is one of them. So let's check in with Katie and see how she felt if she had anything extra to read. Now, disclaimer before we get into all of this with my guests, I just did a Skype call or, or a you know, speakerphone call with them. So you know, forgive any of the sound quality. It just was a check in. 10-minute check-in with them. I didn't want to make them come all the way out to my neck of the woods to record for 10 minutes. So let's go to Katie. Uh, here's a little phone call I did with her and see if she had anything else to say about it. I'm trying to do some recap stuff. And so I have a couple questions that I want to ask just in terms of like a follow-up for nice. where the crawdads sing. So when we did the episode, you had already finished it. So you did stick with your pick. You, you delved in. Do, yes. Do you have any extra thoughts about that? Uh, spoiler free, if you can, about the rest of the book that you wanted to share. Ooh, okay. Well, okay, I'm making it as spoiler free as possible. <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like the book kind of had moments where it lulled and moments where I read really quickly. So I wanted to read the whole thing since I knew we were going to be talking about it. Yeah. Looking back, I wonder if I would have finished it, if, like, I just picked, you know, we had talked about how I sometimes don't always finish books, but you right, do. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I think you want to talk to Spencer as well. I remember you asking other people this question on the podcast, <laughs> and everyone had different responses. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would have, but I'm happy I did. I'm really happy I did, but I felt like the middle sagged for a bit. Yeah. 
And talking to other people who did read the book, um, finish the book, they said, you know, it took the people a while to see where all the storylines were going. Yeah. And that frustrated them. And I think that's me too. Cause, and even in the first 50 pages, you know, there's things you were invested in that I wasn't, I wasn't invested in, you weren't. Right. And I think that would have, if I didn't have a reason to finish the book, I think it would have frustrated me. But right. I didn't really like it. And I have, um, and you know, so yeah, when do we read this? Back in August. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think. Since I've molded on it a bit, I do. I, I mean, I think I like the ending. Yeah, that's spoiler. But it goes in weird, weird different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have ruminated the vocabulary on it for a bit. Um, and I, I like talking. The one of the I do like talking to talking about it with other people because everyone has different opinions on where it goes and how everything intersects. So yeah. to get a little bit rambly response, but I, it hasn't been a book I've been thinking about since we read it. Which yeah. I think that's a good sign. You know, of all the things that I've done for the podcast, the one that Risa wanted to read most was this one. So she started reading okay. it. I don't know how far into it she is at the moment, but um, that one was one that she wanted to do more than anything else. Did the book inspire you to do anything? Like, did you pick anything else up from her? Did you read more Reese Witherspoon book club stuff? I did look more into the Reese Witherspoon stuff to see what else she was recommending. Um, and Oprah restarted her book club with her new pick. Did oh, yeah. That? Isn't her pick Water Dancer? Is it the, the Tanisha yeah. Coates? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also it made me more just curious about nature in general. I've been thinking a lot about that lately, <laughs> and even for my own writing about how do I incorporate the natural world into my setting. Yeah. I think you know, people. You know, sometimes like I'll just write, or I don't think more beyond. Yeah, there was a, there's grass, or trees. Right, there's right, right. Beach, you know? <laughs> but, like there's a, all the detail she did with the plants and everything. Yeah. Um, and like the history of the you know of it. Um, really kind of made me look out a bit more. I mean, more curious street books. I kind of dive into that. Yeah. I haven't picked up anything yet, though, but I have been thinking about how we describe the role around this a bit more. That's cool. Thank you, Delia Owens. Uh, yeah, did you? you. Did, I mean, I'm excited. I know they optioned it for a movie or TV show. I don't think yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I feel like that would make a better movie than a TV show because I just feel yeah. like as one big story, it makes more sense than sort of an episodic thing. But I agree. Yeah. Did you recommend it to anybody else? I did. I p- pushed it on my mom, which I don't nice. know if she's read it yet. I did give it to my roommate, who I think also didn't finish it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then a bunch of us read Normal People by Sally, which I know cool. I listen to that yes. podcast. Yeah. And I brought it up at that um, book club brunch of people that I really like the book. So nice. I have I had a people because it did make me think. I said, yeah. The biggest telltale sign for me with the book is if after, I, you know, weeks later, if I still randomly think about it, and I have them. So even though I had... So you know, grapes with certain things, yeah. or question things, or feel a little slow. I do think about it still more often, so I have been telling people that if you want, and I, I read it really quickly too, like, you know, yeah. I read it in a few days, once I got really into it, yeah. so I said it's a good book to kind of dive into and enjoy and, like, maybe question things, but I have been telling people they should go for it. Yeah, I, it's sort of the same way I felt about Little Fires Everywhere, that Andrea and I were talking about on that last episode, yeah. where there's, like, that push, because everybody else is reading it, it kind of, Sometimes if you pick up exactly. a book nobody else has, you're like, whatever, I'll put this down. <laughs> no one will know or care if I didn't finish it. <laughs> exactly. And you don't talk about it either. But this one, I still think people are still reading it a ton yep. and talking about it. Yep. My, um, I don't know if I, I don't think this happened when we recorded the podcast, but my college, our undergraduate college, started a, a book club for alumni. And oh, they're cool. reading it now. That's really funny. That's yeah, really funny, like, actually. Yeah, little things on there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's... 
uh, still in hardcover here in the states, and I bet I think it will be through the holiday season. So I'm interested to see yeah. how it will sell, you know, at the at the oh, store yeah. through then. I'm trying to keep a, just like a big pile of it in stock because I know that it's it's a good like. Oh, I heard about yeah. this. I'll grab it for so and so because I feel like they would like exactly. it. Exactly. So, so you did read Normal People. Did you read any of the other books that we talked about on the podcast? Not yet. Well, I've just actually bought. Um... Oh, nice. Um, so I'm excited to read that. And I do want to read Little Fires Everywhere. Um, but I think I'm going to start right now, actually, with On Earth and Briefly Gorgeous. That yeah. was a really great episode, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. I, I mean, really quite <laughs> to pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you and Scott would get along, actually, because uh, he's got – I feel like sometimes your tastes maybe intersect a little bit, but he's just such a passionate reader, so. Yeah. That was a, that was a great episode. Yeah. And, you know, also our connection with Ocean makes yes. me, you know, you know like our connection. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Yeah. We're going to the same program. But, um, yeah. Makes music skills and like, support him and stuff like that. Though. Yeah, definitely. The book after listening. Definitely. Yeah. What did your book club group think of Normal People? Oh, that was a really fascinating conversation. <laughs> I, I love Normal People. I loved it. I'll go bad for the book. But a ton of people were, I would say it's pretty split. A yeah. lot of people really, everyone was, everyone was happy. Like, not happy. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm happy I, I finished the book. Right. But people had a lot of conflicting ideas over whether it was good or not. A yeah. lot of people just said nothing happened. <laughs> yes. Nothing really happened in this book. Right. And I was like, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I liked it. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because I feel like I am very much a plot reader. And yeah, yeah it's like, you know, it's sort of the way you can describe an episode of Seinfeld. And it's like, well, what really happened? You know, there's a plot, but there's not a yeah. big plot. But I liked it. I find that the more people I talk to who are writers – writers generally tend to like that book and people who yeah. are readers sometimes are a little on the edge. And I say that making no statement about one being better than the other. I just feel like <laughs> if you're if people who are writers, I think maybe are either more used to reading books without a plot or, yeah. or enjoy the prose a little bit more. I think that's such a good insight. Cause even just looking back at <clears throat> where the lines were drawn at this book club, mm -hmm. I think that's really like, a, you know, where it kind of was. Yeah. You know, a lot of us who write either for fun or for, you know, try to make a living out of it yeah. really seem to enjoy while others who devour books really quickly, but they love their page turn. Or like, I just kept waiting for something big to happen, the right. twist, the, right. you know, and nothing really did. And I was like, oh, but I still cried and cried. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that one, I think, out of all of the things that we've done was the one I wanted to read most yeah. so something like this like where the crawdad saying and even little fires everywhere i was curious to see the hype but when i picked up normal people i was like i feel like this is more my kind of book and exactly. it was i think the speed with which she wrote but do you have anything else you wanted to shout out or say or anything that we maybe missed talking about in our episode um that's a good question but uh, <laughs> i think my, my dad listened to the podcast, mm. and he really liked it, by the way. Thank you, Mr. Buckino. Yeah, I know. You're a good man. Um, he was saying that he thought I, not you, but I spoiled too much of it. And I was like, and he, so, he was like, you guys did a great job, but like, Annie, he needs to like really win. Because he really went on tangent. So I guess I apologize for doing that. No, that's funny because, you know, I, I used to listen to every episode, and sometimes she's like, 
you got to get more out of your guests, like keep them going. So, so there's the flip side of that, where it's just like, you know, you, you need to be more quiet sometimes. I'm like, all right, yeah, but. <laughs> well, my time is not, my time is not going to be talking. Nice. We'll see you more. So, like, yeah. My mom actually, she listened to it and she texted me afterward and was like, should I read this book? I think I want to read this book. And I was like, I said on the podcast, I'd tell yeah. you to read it. So. Yeah, it's a mom book. Yep. <laughs> in a good way. Totally. Yeah. yeah, totally is. That's definitely the kind of movie that I'm imagining in the 90s them making that into like a made-for-TV movie. My mom would have, you know, folded the laundry and thrown that on, and she would have been very happy to watch Kaya exactly. <laughs> running I've through the swamp. Exactly. i in the 90s as well. Yeah. Like the overarching shot of like the bayou Yes, yes. And, and the, the like 20-minute credit sequence. Out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Yeah. You know what? Let's do it, but let's make it '90s style. You know, let's. Back in time. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Got to get uh, Bill Murray's brother there to be one of the cops. That would be good I'm stuff. <laughs> Brian yeah, Doyle Murray. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Katie. I really, really appreciate it. Welcome, Andy. Have a good day. <laughs> you as well. Thanks. Uh, Bye. <laughs> Great. It was so great for Katie to check in with me again. Um, she and I had some sound difficulties, which was very funny. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that what we were talking about there was was really interesting. I love that her book club read Normal People, which has nothing to do with where the crowd I'd sing, but I just, I really like that. Okay, stop. Hold on. Introducing a new segment. I don't have a name for it yet, but here it is. Questions with my wife. Hi, Risa Ress. Hello. We need to find a name for that. Yeah, we do. Yeah. What what was the one you just suggested? Wife Watuzi? <laughs> Wife Watuzi. Okay, sure. Uh, Risa is stepping in because she has some thoughts and I have some questions for you about Where the Crawdads Sing. So you finished Where the Crawdads Sing, I did. right? Why did you pick that one out of all the other books we talked about on the podcast? Um, Honestly, of all the books on the podcast, it was the one that appealed to me the most. I mean, Nickel Boys also appeals to me. Mm-hmm. Greatly. What about it appealed to you? Nickel Boys? No, where the crowd had sing. Oh, where the crowd had sings. I it, it's because it has that mystery aspect. Mm. There's also I I'm a big sucker for hype. Like <laughs> a huge sucker for hype. So many people were talking about it, so it's like, well yeah, I wanna know what happens. <laughs> and then, you know, you had a lot to say. I really found it interesting all this stuff about um what's her name? Delia Owens. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's her first novel, but yet there's again this all this hype. And I'm just I really wanted to know what her deal was. Yeah. Do you have uh, any spoiler free thoughts about the book? Do you I wanna do, add? I do. I um so I find it interesting again that she she was a a biologist, am I right? Oh, Yes. Yeah. I believe She's a biologist so. and you know, you don't like you get that she loves the marsh in those beginning fifty pages. But I just wanna say that it it expands from there. Yeah. Like you very much see how Delia Owens puts her profession into her work, which is really cool. And so I think that by not reading past those fifty pages you missed out. <laughs> so then the ultimate question is do you think I am wrong to shelve the book? I mean, again, being your wife, I'm like, you're not going to like it all that much. <laughs> so I'm not. <laughs> again, it, there's nothing like, it's just not really your cup of tea. Yeah. Do I think that it's worth the read? I'm not sure for you. 
I didn't find it like incredibly life changing. Mm-hmm. Did I enjoy it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. But I think that it very much fits the structure of a lot of books that I've found have extreme hype to them over the past decade. Anything you can think of to sort of compare it to in that regard? Um, Girl in the Train, Gone Girl. And is that because of the like thriller murder aspect of it or because of the way the book is paced? I would say book the way the book is paced. Yeah. Like completely the way the book is paced. Like, yeah. Very much structurally, it kind of goes in that way. Like you look at, if you've read Gone Girl, it goes back and forth between husband and wife. Um, and this doesn't do it as frequently as you see in the first 50 pages going right. back and forth between present and past. Right. When clearly it's not the present. But like <laughs> when, um, oh, I can't even remember who the, the character that's found dead is. Chase and Chase. Yes, look at you remembering this stuff. It's crazy. How do you remember this stuff? I can't. So Chase, going back and forth between them finding Chase Andrews' body and Kaya's, um, for lack of a different word, upbringing. Yeah, that, I mean, again, it doesn't happen as frequently, but it's right. the same sort of structure. But where... it feels, yeah, she, she keeps you interested by not sticking with just one character for too long. She keeps mm-hmm. going back and forth. Right. Uh, great. Any other thoughts you want to add or things you want to promote? I love Noodle. Noodle is a very good boy. He is sitting next to us. He is a good boy. <laughs> Thank you, Reza Rest, for joining us on our new segment. I don't know what it will be called, but Wife Woozy. Thank you for joining us. Better half babble. Better half babble. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Yeah, anytime. So let me ask myself these questions, too. Did I stick to my pick? Did I said I would delve in? Did I stick to that? No. No, I did not. And you know what, guys? I'm not going to stick to that. I, I'm I'm going to shelve this one. The more that I went and looked back and thought about this one, the more I realized I really did not want to keep reading it. I think that in the moment, Katie had sort of convinced me and, and I didn't really express why. And it was because she really, not that she didn't, but, you know, I, I think that in the moment I was like, yeah, I would keep going. But when I sat down and thought about all the things that I have to read and want to read, I, I just... I don't know. This one just didn't catch me. I didn't care to to keep reading on that. I was trying to pinpoint exactly why. There wasn't a lot in here that bothered me in the first bit, but I think when it comes down to it, I had trouble relating to that main character, uh, you know, and I I think I have to look at my own bias as a reader and, and know that, you know, I'm not a little girl growing up in the South, so those parts kind of bored me. And, and she had this nice connection with nature, which again, just kind of didn't do it for me. The mystery part of things I was interested in, but not really enough for me to keep reading. I I can see there being some good character stuff in here, and the book to me really hinges around Kaya and around how she is going to grow up, you know, the difference that we'll see from her as a young woman to somebody who's more grown up uh, being accused of a murder and, and the gaps that we fill in there. But there was sort of no version of this story in my head that I thought, well, if that happens, I really do want to know. I just didn't really care to to keep reading that. So I'm sorry. I'm going back on it. I am not delving in. I am shelving this one. My wife, however, is delving in. She did really want to read it. I did recommend it to my mom. I think that she'll probably read it fairly soon. But yeah, this one was just, nope, not, not for me. Did the book inspire me to do anything else? No. But as the first episode of the podcast, it definitely inspired me to keep an open mind. And 
to enjoy getting out of my comfort zone, which is not something I always do enjoy. It's not something I like doing, not just in books, but in a lot of aspects of my life. And it also did inspire me to look deep in myself and not kid myself when I'm reading something and, and thinking there's there's this urge for me, especially with the podcast, to want to like everything because I don't want people to feel like, oh man, he didn't like that book. Like he was looking for reasons to not like it. No, and, and I've preached this a lot in the podcast that books aren't for everybody. That Something that someone likes isn't going to be for you and that's fine. It doesn't mean it's a bad book. I have always felt that way with a lot of different stuff. There's a difference to me between something being bad and me not liking it. Okay, there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't like. Does that mean it's bad? No, but I think human nature means that if you find something or you meet somebody who doesn't like something, then you think, oh my God, they think that's bad. When I meet people who don't like the TV show Frasier, that doesn't mean Frasier is bad. It is still the greatest show ever made. It just maybe means that they don't like it, and that's fine. Did I recommend the book to anyone else? Yes, I recommended it to my wife, and I recommended it to my mom. I have recommended it at the store. I think that the beauty in these Reese Witherspoon book club picks is that she's picking books that I feel like a wide swath of people can enjoy, and that goes for people who are readers and who want something thrilling, people who just really like to you know kick back and read for fun. They're not trying to get really into literary fiction or what's coming out. They just want a good read. I think it's another good thing for people who maybe haven't read something in a little while. They, you know, if you've had to take a break from reading for school or because your job got really, you know, hectic or family stuff, you know, how that goes. Even the holiday season coming up, uh, as I'm recording this, if you just get too bogged down and you want to get back into reading, it's, it's a good one for that, I think. Even though I don't want to keep reading it, I think that the thriller part of it and the character part of it really does uh, really does capture people and really does make people want to keep reading it. So there is where the crawdads sing for me. Again, not something I wanted to keep reading. I am eternally grateful to it, though, that, that it, uh, you know, started off the podcast. Um, was was very good to me in that way. Where the Crawdads Sing, by the way, was April's bestseller, selling nine copies that April. Now, that might sound weird to you, but at the store, sometimes we have these ebbs and flows with things depending on how big the book is. Uh, it did not come out in April. It had been out for a little bit, and I think in one of our sort of slower spring months, that nine copies was fairly good for us uh, for that book. All right, let's shift over to Normal People now. And Normal People, I was really excited to read. That one was one that it was May's bestseller. It had come out in April, and I think since the previous December, I had had people asking me for it because it was out in the UK, and they kept reading things and hearing great things about it. One of my favorite things that happens with customers sometimes is that I will say, oh, no, you know what? It's not out yet. And they'll say, uh, but I've seen people reading it. And I just think that's funny because I have to say, well, if it's out in the UK, then maybe they have a UK copy. That also happens a lot with hardcover paperback stuff. There are a lot of people uh, riding around the subways in New York that have access to advanced reader copies of things, whether they work for a publisher or whether they work at bookstores or any other way that they can get their hands on advanced reader copies. Publishers are oftentimes you know, happy to, to send them out to people working in the book business. So sometimes people will come in and they'll say, do you have this in, in paperback and in, in softcover? And I say, no, 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 it won't be out till you know, probably next year. Well, I saw someone on the subway with one. Well, maybe it was an advanced reader copy. So I was excited to read Normal People. I was very interested in it. I hope that I communicated appropriately in that how 
I, I mean, I think that Sally Rooney is very talented. She's a sharp writer. And I just think it's funny how often it just boils down to her being a millennial as a writer. It's just funny to me. And I'm sure every writer who was young and got popular, you know, my my feeling on Zadie Smith is that it probably was the same when she was young and sort of breaking out into the scene is that all people could talk about was how young and sharp she was and how she was that voice of that generation. And, you know, I, I just thought that was funny how that seemed to be a lot of what was surrounding uh, Sally Rooney. So let's check in with Spencer um, and see if he had any extra thoughts about it or just how he's feeling about normal people. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for doing this, bud. So did you stick with your pick? Did you delve into normal people? I did. I read it all the way through and I loved it all the way. Cool. I think you, you'd finished it before we started, right? Technically. Yeah, I, I, I had, but then I also kept going. Nice. Um, so I, I took that as an excuse to go reread it. Nice. Nice. Did the book uh, inspire you to do anything? Did it inspire you to like pick up something else? Did you read something else? Watch something else? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I had already kind of exhausted my uh, Sally Rooney uh, <laughs> sort of available media <laughs> since I'd already read Conversations with Friends mm. and sort of her stories and essays. Um, it definitely got me like vaguely more interested in just like the, the micro stuff of Western Ireland nice. in a weird way. Nice. But uh, yeah, mostly, mostly I would say it just got me excited to tell everyone about Sally Rooney. Cool. Did you recommend it to anyone else? I think you said that uh, someone you would recommend it to was your wife, although maybe she yep. had already read it. Did you recommend yep. it to anyone else? So I recommended it to my wife, and then I just recommended it to, like, a, a very funny spread of people. Um, <laughs> like, if there are any folks I know who are kind of even vaguely interested in literary fiction, and, like, my, my working assumption is that they have already read it or heard of it, but if they haven't and that comes up, I immediately recommend it. Nice. What was your feedback on it from those kind of people? I think generally they really like it. Yeah. They tend to tear through it. Um, I, it's interesting. I think the mileage seems to vary a little bit by, uh, by the age of the reader. So I would say the folks who, the couple folks who haven't loved it tend to be older readers who seem kind of more frustrated by how the characters are act, acting. But at the same time, I think some older readers also love it as sort of a piece of anthropology about what younger people are like. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really all over the place. I've had a couple of people tell me they read it for a book club or something, and a couple of people that were like, I didn't like it. I just didn't, I don't know, I don't get the hype about it. So I think this one, more than any of the other books that I've done for the podcast, have been like very polarizing. People I have found have either really liked it or were just like, I don't get this. Yeah, for sure. And I... It's funny, my, my reaction was so viscerally positive, but yeah. I can kind of totally understand how this might not be someone's cup of tea. Yeah, I was so convinced. I was like, there's no way I'm not going to like this. Well, I, I also think it's funny that, you know, these aren't the kind of books that usually get super wide readership. Yeah. And so I think part of it is just like, usually this would be happening in a much smaller literary community. And so I think it's awesome that people are reading it more broadly. But I think with that comes just the full spectrum of reactions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, which is kind of cool. Do you have any, as spoiler-free as you can, thoughts about the rest of the book beyond the first 50 pages there? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I don't think this is a book you really spoil all that <laughs> yeah. much, but the, um, I think so much of our conversation is sort of about the 
dynamic and imbalance between uh, sort of Kamo and Marianne yeah. in that first 50 pages. And I think one of the really cool things to watch is, so that's them in high school. The rest of the book mostly takes place while they're in university. Yep. And just seeing the way that Rooney takes those things she's built and either flips them or shifts them, like that for me was one of the most satisfying parts of reading the book. Yeah. Um, so I think for readers who like those first 50 pages but want to see them go deeper, they definitely will. Yeah. It's funny. I had a, a customer the other day that came in and she said, I just finished Normal People. What do I read next? And I tried to recommend prep, but I was like, you know, uh, listen, the, the whole book takes place in, in high school. So if you like, you know, the first part of Normal People, and you know, even when they are in school and she just kind of yeah, stared yeah. at me like, mm, I don't yeah. think about that. <laughs> I like, Dang. But, but I, I think it's good that you had sort of the awareness to know right. that. <laughs> um, I think the only other question I have is, are there any errors, omissions, anything that you wanted to mention in our episode that you didn't get a chance to, either about the book or just about anything else in general? Um, <laughs> nothing super that's come to mind. Um, I mean, we, we managed to talk about this for a while, yeah. so I think we got just about everything <laughs> in there. How about for you, Eddie? Any, anything that came to you afterwards? Um, I don't think so. No, actually. I think I just I was actually really surprised at how uh, um, kind of different the book felt after those first 50 pages because they moved to mm. university. So in a way, the whole episode almost feels like an omission because like the bulk of the book is is I mean, it's still that dynamic, like you were saying, between the two characters. But the rest of the book is, you know, they're like going lots of different places. It's not all in the western yeah. part of Ireland, but. And, and that's a little bit why, like, I tried to restrain myself in the episode, but I kept <laughs> wanting to talk about yeah. stuff that came later, because it really does broaden both in terms of, like, the, as you were saying, the literal geographic scope, but much more importantly, kind of the uh, the scope of their lives and what they're doing and how they're thinking about things and the relationship between them, too. Yeah. If you had a criticism about the book, what would it be? Um, I think it still comes down to this... Uh, like, as great as the two main characters are, basically everyone else is a cardboard cutout mm. that exists there for yeah. the other characters to sort of interact with. Yeah. Um, but again, like, the thing we're there for is that relationship between Kamala and Marianne. Yeah. And so if that's the way that she's going to be able to draw that most acutely, I'm kind of willing to go along for the ride for yeah. that. There was that... that... What, what, guy in i forget where she was was she in norway there was like that photographer <laughs> yeah, guy yeah, that exactly. marianne was with that i was kind of like that character felt eh to me so yeah well I, but I, again i think it's sort of you need someone there who's going to treat marianne badly in an artistic way right um, and so and it's sort of like yeah let's make him norwegian <laughs> yeah I wonder if Sally Rooney had a, like a weird friend of a friend who was Norwegian or something that she was like, I didn't much care for that guy. I'm going right, to put him exactly. in the book. <laughs> yeah. uh, is uh, there... What, what... No, go ahead. Oops, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, what what for you most bugged you about the book? Um, th Actually, it was when Marianne and Connell were apart. I, like when she was with that guy in Norway or some of those scenes were... I think it bothered me a little less with Connell because I think that she... I think that Sally Rooney makes him think about Marianne a lot more or like it all kind of comes back yeah. and I was very interested in that dynamic. But yeah, when she sort of separates them later, then I was kind of, I just found myself, that was when I was like, I'm kind of bored by this. I want to move to the next chapter here. Yeah, no, I, I totally buy that. No. Uh, are you reading anything good right now? Yeah, so I just finished up um, a 
what is the name of that? So I did a fun read, which was Get Shorty by Elmore Leonard, oh, which nice. I really loved. Um, <laughs> and then that inspired me to go watch the movie, which is great if you've read the book yeah. and completely incomprehensible if you haven't. <laughs> uh, and then, let's see, I don't think I had read the uh, the Karen Russell short stories, Orange World, oh. uh, the last time we were talking. Yeah. So that was awesome, too. Yes, I got an uh, advanced reader copy of that and read it, and I loved it because I love her short stories. So Yeah. Her stuff is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but no, it's it's been great being out of school. I can just read up a storm whenever I want. <laughs> That's the way uh, I felt too. And then I started this podcast, and then <laughs> I keep <laughs> reading fifty pages of a bunch of books that I then need to yeah. finish. So. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the the other one that I like devoured in one day is uh, French Exit by Patrick Dewitt. Oh yeah, that's been um, selling well. Which at the is store. it's super fun, very oh, okay. dark. It sort of feels like a darker Wes Anderson movie or something. Oh, interesting. So, highly recommend. Huh. I don't remember if I know anybody who's read that, so I'll have to check that out. But yeah, I can't keep that one in stock at the store, actually. It's one of those that if I put it out on the table, it will sell. That's always good. You <laughs> want to put as many of those out as you can. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Do you have anything else that I forgot to ask you or that you wanted to add? <laughs> No, I, I think that's about it. Oh, cool. Thank you for... Spencer has been pacing the Bopes library at, at NYU back and forth the whole time, so... Right. That, that's why I'm giving you my uh, my indoor voice, too. Yes. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, whatever your meeting is, I hope it goes well. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks, right, talk- I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I really appreciate Spencer being able to chat with me. He was walking around the NYU library at the time that uh, that we recorded that. That one, I think Spencer and I were super on the same wavelength for that. I think that we were both really uh, excited to read that. And in fact, he already had and he reread it for me for the podcast. So definitely was something that... Uh, before even I asked him to be on the show, he was interested in. So let me, let's go back to me and let me ask myself these questions. Did I stick to my pick? Did I delve in? And in fact, yes, I did. And I finished the book and I quite liked it. I was really glad that I read it. As, as I was chatting with Katie about earlier, that one was one, I mean, in a vacuum, if you told me about that book, I wouldn't be interested in that. It just plot wise, it doesn't sound that interesting. But I really found myself enjoying Sally Rooney's writing. And just on a purely like emotion driven level, the relationship between Connell and Marianne and sort of the, the there's always this sort of tension in your stomach as you're reading of like, how's it going to work out for them? And I think a lot of people have had a relationship like that where maybe you're not dating in the traditional sense of the word, but you have something with a person. And I think that she captures that really well. I think that she gives us enough with both of these characters that they're not terribly despicable, but also not totally you know, likable and perfect for me. Trying to be spoiler-free, the parts that, that sort of dragged uh, for the book were the parts that Marianne and Connell were apart. And there, there are some parts where they're apart, but they're still sort of thinking on each other. But in particular, there was some stuff later with Marianne in a different country and Connell, you know, still back home and they're sort of not in the same place that that I was sort of like, okay, you know, let's I can skip this. Let's get to that. And I think that Sally Rooney was trying to, you know, she's trying to write beyond just what's happening in their relationship. I think every good story needs an A plot and a B plot. And and this book doesn't have the most solid B plot. It really is driven by by Connell and Marianne. But I think she was trying to add some more in there, and I think she was trying to say some things about, you know, other themes specifically, which I don't, again, I don't want to spoil and 
you know, I, I, as I've talked to other people or overheard other people talking about the book, uh, you know, they've said that they've said, oh, I really found this, you know, particular thing to be really interesting. And I hadn't even thought of that. So it is a book that I think a lot of different people can find a lot of different stuff in a lot of different places to be interested. For me, it all came down to Marianne and Connell and that relationship. And that's what I liked about it. I liked I did like the back and forth between them and, and sort of where they were and where they were going. I thought that was really interesting. So I recommend that one to you. I, I, I think I said this earlier with Katie. If you are a writer, if you are somebody who writes just for fun, who is making their living as a writer, who is interested in, in writing and, and doing a little more, read this book because I think that you will find stuff in it that even if it's not driving you plot-wise, uh, you will definitely like it. If you are a, a prose reader, I say check it out. The prose might not catch you, but if you do read something just for the the, the sentences, just for the, the words on the page, I say definitely pick this up. If you're a casual reader who maybe wants something with like a bit bigger of a plot, you know, you usually enjoy something like Dan Brown, um, you know, who writes sort of bigger adventure things, um, you know, a, a lot of the same kind of stuff that, you know, I don't like Dan Brown in particular, but but a lot of, you know, I know that feeling, of those kinds of things. I don't know if this one will be for you because there isn't much going on. And I, I sort of, I compared it earlier with Katie uh, to an episode of Seinfeld. I've heard definitely quite a bit a modern romance novel, which, it, you know, it's sort of a modern Jane Eyre, which it, it sort of almost is as well. It really is just about two people and about their relationship back and forth, you know. Uh, so if you are a fan of maybe like, you know, romantic comedies and, and want to check it out, I say, I say everybody should check this book out because I think that everybody sort of ends up on one side or the other. My wife, for example, um, I don't know how interested she is in reading this, but I don't think she would end up liking it, funny enough. Which brings me to, have I recommended this to anyone else? Yes, I have. Most of the time when um, I'm recommending it to people, it's sort of for that reason. I like recommending it to writers. Um, I have also recommended it at the bookstore. Um, sort of back and forth, I go back and forth with this one. Uh, if people have liked My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Atessa Masva, I recommend this. And the other way around, if they've liked normal people, I'll try to recommend that. It's sharp. It's fun uh it moves quickly so i have recommended it uh i find myself recommending it more to people of my age uh you know in their 20s or 30s i think that you know if i recommended this to my parents maybe they wouldn't like it as much and i think maybe part of that again it, it just sort of like i how i felt with where the crowd i'd seeing having trouble connecting to uh, a young girl growing up in the South, I think that, you know, it, it, there are some parts of my own generation that I very much recognize in these characters that maybe a generational gap would would not interest as much. So uh, Normal People, by the way, was our bestseller in May, and that sold 21 copies. And that is an excellent month uh, for a book at the bookstore. But again, especially, I think it came out late April, so it had a few sales in April, but because it came out later, May was really where it hit its stride. And I mentioned in our episode on Little Fires Everywhere, which I won't be recapping today, uh, I mentioned that it technically was August's bestseller as well. If I can get this in stock and keep it in stock, it sells very, very well. And I am currently trying to overorder it for the holiday season because I think it's a book that people have heard about and they see and they say, oh man, yeah, that one, I really wanted to read that one. So there you go. So now let's move on to On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong, who 
is a fellow NYU graduate, or I guess I'm a fellow NYU graduate since he graduated before I did. I was very interested to read this book with Scott. Uh, I have to confess, and I hope Scott doesn't mind me saying so, part of what really interested me in reading this with Scott was that I knew the book had a, a gay relationship in it, and I really was curious on Scott's thoughts about that. It's not that I don't usually read that stuff. I don't really care if that's in a book or not, but um, I am not a gay man, so I was very curious you know, uh, to, to read that. Unfortunately for us, it didn't really get into that in those first 50 pages, but I was still very happy that I read this with Scott, and, and particularly because of the type of reader that he is, uh, knowing that this might not be his cup of tea. I was really curious if it would catch him and really pull him in, or if it was way too far out of his comfort zone. And I think it was. <laughs> so that, that all being said, let's check in with Scott and, and let's see if he had anything else he wanted to say or what he was also feeling about On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous and, and see if maybe he did end up reading Night Sky with Exit Wounds. All right, I've got questions for you. We'll get to that. But let me start right. with, with question number one, which I think will be an easy one for you, which is, did you stick to your pick? Did you, you were going to shelve uh on earth we're briefly gorgeous did you in fact not pick it up again i not only did i not pick it up again <laughs> i gave it back to you you gave me your copy <laughs> <laughs> which i i had just borrowed from the store so it's you know probably I, in somebody else's even, hands now i didn't even want it on my own show <laughs> um okay so then that let's follow up with that what did the book inspire you to do right um well, we talked about briefly on the episode. I was like, I would like to check out more of his work, which, thanks to you, thanks to, for letting me borrow uh, your copy of Night Sky with Exit Wounds. Sure. I, I, uh, I checked it out. Yeah. I checked it out, and I read the whole thing. Yes. What did you think of the poems? Um, I can safely say poetry is not for me. <laughs> um, but once again, it's funny because we, uh, we had talked about um, all of the imagery he creates. and. Yeah. I'm not a person who reads poetry often. You know, I, I you know I tend to read fiction and no. I tend to read quickly. Yeah. And poetry is not meant to be read quickly. Um, but I, uh, you know, because and you get in the habit of reading how you read. And so this really, there were there were quite a few times. I mean, it's a, it, I I don't I think it took me about less than an hour to yeah. to get through Night Sky with Excellence. Um, but there are quite a few times as I was reading that I had to say whoa, and I had to stop and I had to go back and read over a line because. Yeah imagery was just so beautiful I, I i wish i had written more of them down one of them I, I i would be quoting it wrong but it was something like i spilled my orange juice and suddenly there was a, a spot of sunshine i couldn't wipe away oh yeah things like that there was and there was one where like the, the best way to get to know a man is with your teeth oh and there were all these like mm. really like just visceral beautiful images that yeah. i like as i was reading through i had to stop and like whoa yeah and it made me just slow right down yeah so while, while I will still say that poetry is not for me and I can't even, you know, say that I was able to wrap my head around everything he was talking about. Right. Uh, I, there is absolutely no denying how talented yeah. Oshawa is. Like, he's just ridiculously talented. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes the poetry work is, is that you can stop and go back and reread it. Mm -hmm. And there's not a big 
there's not a plot that's trying to be carried as you're doing that. You can absolutely go back and just appreciate the language. And I remember some of those poems and I remember them, you know, having a theme or, or you know, sort of telling a little story in its own way, but right. you're not worried about like, hey, what's going on with, you know, the character or something like that. So are you glad you read Night Sky with Exit Wounds then? I am. I am. It's, it, it, I can be like, hey, I read a book of poetry this year. <laughs> like I've, I think it's so... You know, once again, hearkening back to our the podcast, like it's yeah. it's you should read outside your comfort zone. You yeah. should experience something new. I can safely say that I I poetry might not be my bag, but I tried it, and yeah. I will probably try it again. Good. Some, you know, if, if another if another poet comes across my lap, like why not just do it? Yeah. Like it was it was a it was fun to experience something new in my my reading vocabulary yeah i have to admit that um i taught that when i taught a class at nyu and oh, you did? i i hadn't read a lot of them before i taught it but i just knew that i wanted to teach it like i was like i just want to do this because i know it's supposed to be good and then I, when i was picking things to assign it was like oh wow oh wow these are very good i'm glad they're, that i picked so this. Good. i think that was the my my favorite one that i that i taught of of all of them well good i'm i'm glad that you enjoyed it and i'm glad that you read it too i'm glad that you got to experience the the poems part of his writing rather than you know in in addition to the novel so he also um i'm sure you remember it because it was such a cool it's such a visual piece the the poem that's all footnotes yes yeah yeah like there's like the footnotes like dotted along the page and all the footnotes at the bottom are the poem it was just such a such a uh, interesting visual experience in yep. poetry. It was yeah, it's just so cool and interesting. Yeah. Would you recommend that book to anyone else? I would. I think I would. Yeah. I think I would, especially you know somebody who's like, ah, no, I haven't read poetry. Right. We'll read this. Yeah. Well, we'll check this out. A good way to get into this is this is this is, this is current. It's it's original. It's yep. I I definitely definitely if you're looking to try something new why not uh, yeah. like what have you got to lose yeah was there anything from our episode that we forgot any errors or omissions anything that you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to errors or omissions oh it's funny that you said that oh god so, so somebody recently asked me what my least favorite book was and I was like it's so funny I just thought about this <laughs> and um. I, I think I might actually change my answer. It was Little B before by Chris Cleary, right. which is still I did not like that book. Right. But uh, I realized that a book that I that I liked less than that, unfortunately, it was another book recommended to me by Hunter. Oh no, <laughs> uh, my boyfriend. Uh, but I re- and this may come. This is a more well known book, but I hated Fight Club. Oh, okay. By Chuck. There you go. Balanic, uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah. Oh, I. <laughs> hated it it was so i just yeah it was not was not my my cup of tea (laughs) that book is was so miserable and uh yeah yeah, that book is funny because i've never seen the movie and i've never read it but i know that you know i know the spoiler of it so i've always kind of felt like i'm good i don't and and i knew the spoiler going in but yeah it's just it's it's so negative and and Everything is hopeless and everything sucks and everybody sucks. And yep. I was just like, I, I finished it. <laughs> I did not enjoy myself at all. When I worked at Shakespeare and Company, anytime Chuck Palahniuk had a new book coming out, either he or his his 
agent or somebody would send something to the buyer at the store and she didn't work at the store but we got the weirdest shit we got like a rubber <laughs> banana once it was all just like weird sex stuff and it would come and it would be like hey liz are you looking forward to the new something something <laughs> it was like you know a dominatrix mask or something it's like dude what is wrong with you very strange. Yeah, not for me. Not for me. And, you know, for, for other people, sure, just not not for me. That's really funny. So that's, uh, that's my – that's my, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. That's funny. I wanted – actually, there was something that we did mention uh, quick in the episode, but since I've got you, I just want to plug your friend who uh, made you the bookmark. Yeah, yeah. What is her uh, name and her Shaw. name and Instagram of her art page? Yes, so she's Amanda Capshaw. And her Instagram is underscore AJ makes art. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think that you had said that after the pod, like after we recorded or something. So I want to post the picture and just give her a little shout out because that bookmark is adorable. It's so good. She's she's awesome. I think she's like she sells stuff on Etsy. I think. Oh, cool. oh, oh she's got. Well, she's gone now. So anyway. <laughs> She I was looking on Instagram. She's she disappeared you, you can find her Instagram. She does <laughs> such such cool work. Yeah. Right? She did. She, I don't know if I mentioned this on the episode, but she did. A, I commissioned her to make a a, paint, a watercolor painting of my brother and his wife for their wedding. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, that's um, so nice. which was turned out really cool. They like she, they loved game. Well, they love it's over now. Love Game of Thrones. Right, but, um, right, right. I had to like draw them with like their own house sigil and, and nice. Love. My last question. Did you have you read any of the other books that we've talked about on the podcast? I don't think I and I, I I was following along. I, I don't think that I have. Okay. If any normal, of them, normal people, where the crawdads sing, yeah. Nickel Boys. If, if any of them, which one do you think you would read? Uh, where the crawdads sing has been on my radar, and it's been recommended to me by two different people okay that, and i think you said you would shelve that would you you didn't want in the in the episode i said i would delve but <laughs> in this recap episode i will discuss or perhaps have already discussed depending on how i edit this together <laughs> that i do not in fact want to delve i shelve so liar <laughs> uh no i would i would uh that's been a, i i will eventually read it it's been on my radar so nice. that of, of them all Nice. Of them all, that would be the one. Nice. Yay. Okay. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, you're welcome. Scott is much easier for me to get a hold of because, I mean, I see Scott a lot. <laughs> so it was nice to, you know, have a, a quick Skype call with him. We, of course, spent about five minutes showing each other. He was showing me the cats and I was showing him Noodle. And, you know, the animals have to see each other and talk to each other as well. Noodle, by the way, is currently lying on. Uh, lying on our bed on my wife's pillows because that is his favorite place to lay. So I really, like I was saying, I really did enjoy reading this with Scott. I am ecstatic that he did check out Night Sky with Exit Wounds. Poetry for me serves as the ultimate step out of the comfort zone. I did end up getting to teach a class at NYU, which I quite enjoyed. And I read a lot of poetry in anticipation for that class and did teach some of it. And my students, I found, really did like poetry the lesson that they did not enjoy was all about Shakespeare's sonnets, but I felt as a former actor and someone who enjoys Shakespeare, I couldn't not teach it. But, you know, I think that that one's sort of been hammered to death in people's heads in high school. And it's just not as interesting. It is way more interesting, I feel, to find a more modern poet and see. I, I think so often we think about poetry as 
sort of old and archaic and you know keats and yates and browning and and dickinson and it all feels very old and sort of out of touch and kind of flowery and uh ocean vuong's poetry really was so different for me and i loved it and i didn't love the poetry language as much in on earth were briefly gorgeous and i maybe mentioned in the episode you know what really captured me about this was this immigrant story was this this vietnamese american story i think my own again recognizing my own bias i've always been someone who's interested in history and always been somebody who has particularly been interested in in asian history because i don't feel like we studied that a lot when i was in high school we sort of got it you know bits and pieces but being able to go to vietnam last year with risa was incredible absolutely life-changing experience I loved Vietnam. I loved seeing it, having studied it and studied the war a little bit. It was really just beautiful to be able to go there and travel and go sit at a stall and have a beer and a bowl of pho next to people also bellying up to the the pho station was absolutely lovely. That really is what captured me here for, for this book. So that brings me to my first question. Did I stick to my pick? Did I delve in? Yes and no. I have not finished the book yet. I did read a little bit more past page 50 and and even after the podcast had had picked it up, I put it down in order to do some more reading for the podcast. And I have to confess to you guys that I did get to a point where there was sort of a break between like I recorded a bunch of episodes and I'm actually sort of waiting to see, you know, like what is August's bestseller and who am I going to do that one with? That I just picked up something on the top of my to read list and sat down and, you know, was reading that as I was riding the train to work instead of something for the podcast. And that was really nice. So I have every intention of finishing this book. Yes, I'm going to stick to my delve in. I don't have many thoughts about the rest of the book, spoiler free or not, but I'm very excited to finish it. This one, more than any other podcast book though, I feel like this one has the least amount of interest from people. This was like this huge, huge thing. When I was at Book Expo and talking to people in the book industry, they were just amazingly excited for this and i think that the the casual reader out there maybe this isn't on their radar or it just doesn't seem as interesting and i think there is sort of a big barrier of entry here because it is sort of a sad story it is something that again i feel like i'm really interested in the the vietnamese american experience but maybe a lot of other people aren't so this one i was actually surprised uh, at how few people not in the book world, uh, had read it and were interested in it. So this one is up for the National Book Award, along with Nickel Boys. Uh, So I will be curious to see if it makes it. It's on the long list. Let's see if it makes it to the short list. I I would be surprised if it didn't, but we'll see. Hey, editing Andy here. Uh, It didn't make the short list. So, yeah. Did the book inspire me to do anything? Well, it certainly inspired me to go back to... Uh, a short story I had written about Vietnam, you know, after we came back from there, I'd been working on it for a long time. So I won't bore everyone with, with the details of that, but um, I really did want to go back and, and sort of refresh myself and maybe try to put a little bit more of the just the poetic nature of, of Ocean Vuong's language and the touches that he puts, sort of relook at it through that lens. I think that that's an important skill as a writer to have to read something and know that you can go back to your own work and definitely look at it through that lens. That was a a lesson that I learned in school. 
I honestly, I think that the best writers take what their peers have written and go back to the drawing board from there. I am in no way suggesting that Ocean Wong is my peer and that I'm doing that. It inspired me to, to do that and it inspired me to keep stepping out of my comfort zone, even with poetry, even with prose that is maybe not my favorite to take a step back and know when I'm enjoying that stuff. And if I'm enjoying it to tell myself, that's okay, you can keep reading it, that's fine. I hope that it inspired other people, much like Scott, not to be ashamed or afraid if they didn't want to read something and they didn't like it. To me, reading is a lot like music. And I feel like nowadays, especially with the podcast, I'm trying to read more critically to work on my own craft and to, as a writer, keep myself and my creative energy flowing. And, you know, again, to, to see what I can not take from uh, what I can learn from other writers who are writing books at this point in time. So in a way for me, and as a bookseller as well, just on that front, the more I can recommend, the better. So reading for me has almost become a job in, in another sense. I still enjoy it. And part of what I'm bad at is stepping out of my comfort zone as a reader to do a little work. Maybe I need to step out of my comfort zone a little bit more and read the thing that's bigger. Ocean Fong was really big in the book world. It had so much hype in the book world. And as a bookseller, I should have been listening to that and recommending it to customers more because I think it deserves to be recommended. So for me, that's what it inspired me to do a little bit more actually is to know that maybe sometimes it's okay to do a little work as a reader. But on the other side of that, if you're a reader and you don't write and you aren't working in the book business, then you should read what you like. And, and I make the music analogy to me because I used to be a musician. I used to play in bands and, and at that point in time, I think it was important to listen to more things as work and maybe figure out what you like from things or what you don't like. Or if you have peers that are musicians to listen to their stuff and see what they're doing. Everything can always have a little bit more of a job quality to it when you are trying to practice a craft. And I think that that's important. But if you're not a musician, then you should just listen to what you like. I mean, there are some people out there who will sit down and say, I want to listen to five more artists from a country that's not the United States and I really want to look and that's great that's fine I admire if you want to do that but you don't feel like you have to don't feel like you have to step out of your comfort zone and read a book about the immigrant experience or something that a poet wrote and you don't love poetry but don't feel like you have to do that because reading should be fun it should be relaxing it should be something that you do because you want to do it if you are practicing a craft like writing, if you are a member of the publishing industry or the book industry and you want to be up on it, yeah, maybe you should step out of your comfort zone and do it a little more. But if you were a reader like Scott and you didn't like it, there's no shame in that, which is a very long-winded response to that question. Have I recommended it to anyone else? This one I have not recommended personally to anyone else. I'm going to try to recommend it more to customers. The Ocean Vuong book, by the way, did come out in June and sold 11 copies for us in June, which in the summer is great. The summertime is a slower time uh, in the book world. For the bookstore that I work at in particular, there is a little bit of a just a lull in the summer. Summertime is, you know, and retail, I feel like summertime is always just people aren't buying as much. So that was great for us, 11 copies. Which, speaking of that last book on the National Book Award list, again, is Colson Whitehead's The Nickel Boys, which Sarah and I read. Sarah had recently gotten a new job, left the bookstore. I was just absolutely ecstatic to have her come back and talk about this book, and especially really happy to be someone who introduced her to Colson Whitehead. 
And I was excited to pick up Colson Whitehead's newest book. I hadn't read him before I read Underground Railroad and I liked Underground Railroad more than I thought, actually, which which was fun, which was great. And I was happy that uh, I was assigned to read it in class. So I was happy to pick up Nickel Boys, even though it had a more nonfiction tilt to it, if you will. But I was happy to read that. And I think that Sarah was, too. And in fact, let's let's check in with her and, and see how she felt about it. So uh, doing some recap stuff. So I just have some follow up questions. So number one for, for Nickel Boys that you and I did. Did you stick with your pick? Did you finish the book and, and delve in? I finished the book. I completely delved and loved it. <laughs> um, and was just shocked by the way that it ended it. Yeah. Do you have any other, yeah. as spoiler-free as you can, thoughts about the book? <laughs> I, I just thought it was a beautiful depiction of friendship and honoring honoring someone else um, and moving past trauma and just reconciling with with your past um, and I was just I was just honestly like I said in the, the session earlier that we had I am stunned that I haven't read Colson Whitehead before and yeah. I'm going to read so much now <laughs> because it was just beautiful it's yeah. brief too I feel like I devoured it in like a week yeah good did you, yeah. did the book inspire you to, <laughs> I'm going to wait for the milk frother to come. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no worries. <laughs> um, did the book inspire you to do anything else? Like, have you picked up another Colson? Have you maybe looked into more of the, the stuff that was going on down in Florida there? I, that is on my list. I have not, but I have been actively trying to read, um, more African-American authors, so I've been reading, um, I read, um, read, read at the Bone. Oh, the, the new Jessamine Ward book, yeah. The, her latest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I'm reading Beloved right now. Oh, nice. Toni Morrison. Nice. And so, definitely need to read more Colson, but I've been reading a lot of yeah. females. Do you know what, color. yeah, do you know what Colson you want to read next? Underground Railroad, yeah, for sure. I like that one. I, I would, I would go with that one next. Uh, did you recommend the book to anyone else? Yes, I recommend it to everyone, and I've been <laughs> passing around the copy you gave me nice. to all of my friends. Yeah, you guys read it, and my friend Claire's gonna read it, and I've just been telling everyone to read it. Nice, so. nice. I yeah. think. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that I recommended it to. Oh, you know what? I recently at the store had a customer that was looking for, they were like, I, my friend is in the hospital. They read nothing but nonfiction, but I want like a more engrossing story. And I was like, this is the one for you because it's sort of based on something that happened, but the writing is really good. So hopefully there is a person whose day was brightened in the hospital by that book. So that was my sincere hope. That's great. <laughs> um, have you read any other books that we talked about on the podcast? Oh, um, not yet, but I'm about to pick up Sally Rooney's Normal People. Cool. And I did read my year of restroom relaxation, which nice. I obviously love. Yeah. And I have Little Fires Everywhere at home. Nice. I'm going to read that. Nice. Did you listen to that episode yet? That was my first conclusive no. I didn't. I haven't <laughs> Sorry yet. Sorry to spoil Jess, the episode I for you. <laughs> with Jess and she said, 
Yeah, she. I think Jess has read it, and she said she loved that episode. She's really excited to be on your show. Oh, good. I'm excited. As of Sarah and I recording this now, uh, Jess and I will be recording on Tuesday, and I don't know. I don't know if I'll put this one out before that one, but I'm excited. I got to do some more reading for that today. But Um, any other thoughts or anything that we didn't get to, or that you wanted to mention, or anything about Nickel Boys, or even in a more general sense? Just that it has really sparked an interest for me in this overlap between fiction and history. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm really happy that you chose that book and yeah. that it was I mean, that it was a bestseller and um, that it did pique my interest into wanting to read more African-American authors, but also, I mean, as I, I did before, but yeah. it's just kind of incentivized that further. Um, but yeah, this amazing merge between history and fiction yeah. I'm fully in and I, I'm just really happy that you have me on the show and Good. I'm, I'm very grateful happy for you were on uh, the book I think it, it yeah. is up for the National Book Award do you think it'll win I don't think it I think will. It has a really good shot. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it has a good shot for sure, but I'm trying to remember some of the other stuff. I think On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous was also on there. Um, I feel like because he but won... Scott didn't like that. Yeah, well... Sorry. <laughs> that definitely was not his cup of tea. I don't know. I don't know if that one will win, or I'm trying to remember some of the other ones on there. I wouldn't be surprised if it won, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Well, I'm rooting for... Colson, even though Ocean Vuong is also amazing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Either way, yeah. that'll be a good victory. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for peeking in from the coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the background music is okay. Nah, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> cool. It'll just be like <laughs> in the background, so <laughs> no problem. Thank you, Sarah. Have fun out in Portland so and much. travel safe. Hope uh, everything's good. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, okay? Like <laughs> Bye. Sarah's out doing work in Portland, so apologize for the coffee shop vibes there. Thank you guys for sticking with the call quality on these things. Um, again, just wanted to do a check-in with, with everyone. So I'm really happy that Sarah read it. I'm really happy that she liked it and that she liked Colson and wants to read more Colson. I also would like to read more Colson Whitehead. The Nickel Boys, more than any other book that we've read for the podcast, was the most powerful that I had read. And not to say that Underground Railroad was not serious because I don't think that's the case. I think that Colson was having a little more fun writing that one. And I just mean purely like the words written on the page and the ideas behind it seemed like a writer who was energized and wanted to write this piece of fiction that he felt would be a good story. And I think the Nickel Boys, Colson sort of pivots and is writing something powerful and he's writing it seriously and not to say it's boring or doesn't have a lot of energy but this one felt like you know if underground railroad was a jackson pollock painting this one was a a marble statue carved with precision uh to me so let's let's ask let's ask andy the question then did i stick to my pick and did i delve in much like ocean vuong Yes and no. I have not finished it. I need to pick this one back up. I had sort of, again, put some stuff down or reading other things for the podcast, but this is the next book that I'm going to pick up actually um, podcast-wise 
out of all the things out of these four books that we read, Normal People was the one that I wanted to read the most and wanted to finish the most, and therefore I did when I got the chance to. Nickel Boys is the one that I'm going to go back to next. I do still have some trepidation, though, knowing that it's going to be sort of a sad story, but there was something that Sarah said in her conversation that, that it really is a testament to the power of friendship that that was not on the page in those first 50 pages. Elwood does not have a lot of friends in those first 50 pages, and I, I can see that at this school, he will probably make some friends and that the, the book will maybe transition to being a little bit more about that in particular. Um, so I'm excited to get into that. I am also sort of nervous. It's like when you sit down to watch a movie that you know is sad. You know, there's just, for me, I always like watching funny things. So, uh, you know, I, I always enjoy it. But for me, there is a little bit of trepidation of like, okay, I got to get ready for this. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, what did the book inspire me to do? It did inspire me to go back and sort of look through Colson's catalog again. I really do need to pick up Zone 1 because I think that that one will be really fun and interesting. It inspired me, much like Sarah, to to enjoy the idea of a book based a little bit more on nonfiction um, and about some more current events. You know, this one, they're not adapting into anything, and, and they didn't, they never adapted Underground Railroad. It's funny to me that, that these big, and I know Reese Witherspoon has a production company, and that's why, you know, something like Where the Crawdags Sing and can get adapted, and Normal People has been huge and that, but this would be... If done well, this would be a really great TV show, streaming series. I think that this one would be great. I would totally watch that. Did I recommend it to anyone else? I think I mentioned in my call with Sarah that, yeah, I've been meant, I've been recommending this one to customers quite a bit. I think that this one is a really good book. And so anybody who comes to me and says, I need something that's just really great and they don't care if it's sad or they don't care, then I've been recommending The Nickel Boys to them. I would recommend it to to you as well, listening out there. Of all of the books that we read for the podcast, I would recommend Normal People the most because I liked it the most. But I think that in some ways, objectively, The Nickel Boys, at least just from the first 50 pages, is a better book than Normal People because I think it's just a more solid story. So yeah, I would recommend it to a lot of different people. I actually, if, if your family members are readers and they haven't read this one yet and they don't mind something that might be a little sad or a little tough at times, I say get this for them in the holiday season because I think this one is good. I'm excited to pick this one up pretty soon. Nickel Boys, by the way, sold 23 copies, making it our second best-selling book of, of these four episodes. 23 copies that month. When it came out, it was a big hit. People really wanted to read it. And so that brings us to the end of this recap episode. I hope that you guys have been enjoying furthermore i have been really loving making it i've got some big plans for some books that are out of the box maybe and some new sorts of episodes to do as well rather than just best sellers let me know what you guys liked best out of these four books uh you can find furthermore on instagram of course furthermore podcast all one word you know i i i really enjoyed stepping out of my comfort zone with everyone here and taking a look at this stuff i enjoyed it as a bookseller being able to recommend this stuff more and being a little bit more aware of the literary landscape at the moment. I have enjoyed it as a writer, taking a step back and looking at the different styles of people. And, I, you know, we talked about this in the Nickel Boys episode, how, you know, Coulson has a style and as a writer, you know, it's him. And 
it's fine if it's something like Delia Owens where you gave me a paragraph of that. I couldn't tell you it was her that wrote it, but the plot of that book really moves. And so it's really good. There are so many different ways to write a book and it's really fun to see what's popular, why they're popular, and how they differ in style and in tone and just to see what people are enjoying reading has been really great too. As a bookseller, this stuff, my, my reading is influenced in the back of my head by, you know, what's at the store, what's selling, what kind of customers are buying it. As a bookseller, I am influenced by what people are buying, what's selling. The idea of, you know, who's reading these books, who's writing reviews on these books is in my head. It, it's sort of hard to separate it, but that's okay because sometimes when you're doing a job, that stuff gets in there and that's okay. That really is. I just want to say once again, thank you for tuning in to Furthermore, for your interest in Furthermore, for listening. I really wanted to make a podcast that everybody could listen to and that people who are interested in reading and learning more about books could listen to without getting spoilers or anything. I want opinions on people who have read this stuff and I'm just always really interested in what makes a book a bestseller and whether it's on a micro level as in just in the independent bookstore where I work or on a national level, I'm really curious as to not only my own opinion on that, but other people's opinions and who's reading it and who's buying it and who's making it a big, big book. Um, as always, you can find Furthermore on Instagram, Furthermore Podcast, all one word. Please let, go there and let me know which of these books was your favorite, which was the one you wanted to read most, which one have you no interest in reading whatsoever. It's been really fun getting out of my comfort zone and reading these books and listening to my guests and what they thought of this stuff. Like I said, we've got a lot more cool stuff coming up on Furthermore. We've got some new ideas for stuff. I've got some different versions of episodes coming. I already know what September's bestseller is, and if you are someone in the book world, you probably know what September's bestseller was as well. As always, Furthermore is written, produced, directed, edited, all that good stuff by me, by Andy Dorado. All the artwork is done by Max Farinato, M-A-X-F-A-R-I-N-T-O.com, or find him on Instagram at cbartist underscore. I'm not going to give you guys a book recommendation for this month because, well, technically this isn't a month month, but if you need a book recommendation, reach out to me. Let me know. It's what I do. I have been reading other non-podcast stuff. I have a really big to, uh, personal to-read list at the moment, which I'm really excited about and happy about. Sometimes you have those those months where you're going to the shelf to your to-be-read things, and then there's other months where stuff comes into the store that you've been waiting on for a long time. So I have a pile of stuff that I've been waiting on for a long time. Thanks again for listening to this recap episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions about books or how I felt about anything, reach out to me on Instagram and let me know. Thank you guys again for listening to Furthermore. I hope you're as excited as I am for all the new stuff that we've got coming soon. I'm really excited about it. Thanks for making these first four months of books so much fun. Let's keep going. Let's do some more books. Let's do some more months. I've got lots of fun stuff planned. Thanks again, everyone. This is Andy Dorado, and hey, keep reading.